Hello and welcome to episode 203 of the Thinking LSAT podcast in Los Angeles. I'm Nathan Fox. With me in Vienna, Virginia, Ben Olson. What's going on, Ben? I just can't get enough of the book that I'm listening to on Audible. I've told oh. you about it before, The Why We Sleep by Matthew uh-huh. Walker. Um, just last night when I was coming back, he was talking about the role that uh, NREM, non-rapid eye movement sleep, plays in helping you learn. And the studies are pretty compelling that getting sleep after you learn something helps. I guess that we have a short-term memory in the hippocampus that stores information, and it can only store so much. So there is a limit to how much you can learn in a day. And if you don't get good sleep, a lot of that is not actually put into long-term memory. So you lose it. So then it would be a bad idea... I got an uh, an email from a listener um, who told me that she had uh, traded access to she had access to the PowerScore books. She borrowed the PowerScore books to a friend of hers on campus in exchange for her friend's Adderall. Okay. <laughs> uh, took said Adderall and did three LSATs in a row. Okay. <laughs> yes. What does your uh, book have to say about that plan? Well, when they were doing studies on <laughs> this learning in the hippocampus, they controlled for alertness and uh, attentiveness through other means. I'm not sure how, but they controlled for that. And Adderall, people, maybe? <laughs> uh, I don't think they'd... Well, I, that would introduce its own like complications, right? But yes, they did course. some other tests, but... They, uh, yeah, they showed that even when you take into account alertness, people who didn't have a chance to rest and actually get that NREM sleep, I think it's stage two or stage three. No, it was stage two. Um, They didn't remove that stuff from the hippocampus and then they couldn't learn as much when they continued studying. So taking three tests just generally sounds horrible, but the Adderall is just a mask, right? All it is is it's keeping you awake, but you're not learning anything. And even if you were like fully attuned, what? how, how is she going to review three tests? That's just insane. Well, who said this? Why? <laughs> Let's call it anonymous listener of the show. I don't, we don't need to be blowing people up for their illegal <laughs> drug sorry. activities, but. Um. Well, I'm, I'm not even concerned about that. I'm just saying from like an LSAT preparation standpoint it just seems i don't know I, i'm not sure what the goal is yeah i'm i'm not concerned about the the illegal aspect of it either um kids have been trading adderall on campus forever now but um it just yeah the it's it's i don't know it's kind of the exact opposite of our advice right like you do less but review it more thoroughly learn more from it mm-hmm. be civilized about it get some sleep yeah get up and fight again tomorrow. You know, it just seems, it seems like almost guaranteed that if you do three tests today, you're not going to do anything tomorrow or you did three tests today, but then now you didn't review it at all. So what's the value in that? Yeah. Yeah. I don't get it. (laughs) I saw that. I was just like, Oh boy. Okay. (laughs) Um, today on the show, sorry, give the name of that book again one more time. Why we sleep. Yeah. It's called why we sleep. It's by Matthew Walker. I would just add one more thing. He gave a mock ad in the chapter I was reading last night and it was like, imagine you could lose weight, um, 
you know, <laughs> run faster. It went through, I don't know, like Do 20 everything. different things. Become yeah. Superman. All yeah, and it was thing. like everyone would hear this ad and say this is complete malarkey. Um, but if the drug maker was able to show, back it up with clinical studies that these things were actually happening, then their profits would skyrocket, right? Eventually people would come on board. And he's like, it's not fake. This is sleep. And he said 70,000 studies have covered so many different topics showing that all these things happen when you get eight hours of good sleep. But people don't take it, you know? It's just, um, it's undervalued in our culture. Eight hours of good sleep. Yep. And how's this defined? Does it have to be eight hours straight or... No, um, actually there's some evidence that we're genetically predisposed to sleep like seven at night and then another hour in the mid afternoon. Yeah. So good sleep is a mixture of non-rapid eye sleep and rapid eye movement sleep. And, you know, so tossing and turning wouldn't necessarily count toward that, but it's better than nothing, of course, as you've talked about before. But the ideal is to get to sleep because when you do get to sleep, your brain goes into a different mode that it's not in even when you're meditating. So. Cool. Yeah. Anyways, I'm sorry to keep talking about it, but (laughs) just trying to convince everyone that if you're trying to prepare for the test, you need sleep. And a lot of people, you know, they, they burn the midnight oil to get in some extra hours of LSAT studying. And that may be not only not helpful, but counterproductive. Yeah, it seems about right to me. Um, and you need to develop these healthy habits now, right? Because, I mean, the LSAT's just step one. I mean, Jesus Christ, yeah. one L. <laughs> one L's going to be worse. Yeah. And one L, you actually have to learn things. Mm-hmm. I mean, the LSAT, you just have to sort of practice and there's just not that much content to it. But the LSAT, you actually are, but law school, like you actually need to, you need rules to like actually stick in your head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, yeah. Today on the show, we have some stats on LSAT accommodations. This isn't like brand new uh, information, but it's sort of brand new to us. And uh, so we're going to kick back and forth some uh, of the stats on what's going on with the LSAT accommodations. Um, a listener emailed us and asked why they should redo logic games. So we'll kick that back and forth a little bit. Cool. We're going to do a logical reasoning question, and we really are going to do it this time. Um, rather than saving it for the end of the show where things tend to get chopped off, we're going to move uh, our logical reasoning stuff uh, into the middle of the show so that we can make sure that we at least cover like one logical reasoning question every show. Um, we have a dispatch from a July test taker who confesses to making too many worlds. Hmm. I have an idea what that looks like. Um, sometimes the worlds can just proliferate. <laughs> yeah. If people try to actually write out every single solution rather than capturing those solutions inside of templates. Yeah then that can be a problem. Sure. Um, oh, and so we, another email from a listener who says, which is the best desert island LSAT? Hmm? I don't get it. You know, our thought experiment of like, if you were on a desert island and you only had oh, one LSAT. yeah, yeah. And you just learned that forever and then you came yeah. back. Mm-hmm. This, this, of course, because LSAT students are kind of annoyingly... Um, <laughs> This is our audience. Perfect. About, I know, I know. But 
<laughs> they, I don't know. Like, which one do you think is the best one, Ben? If I could if I, if I only study one, which one would it be? They're all so good. They're all so good, especially <laughs> the more. I mean, that's what's been funny is that you working with the LSAT demon, right? Yeah. Um, we, I, I'm tutoring with people. It's like, okay, yeah, just turn on the demon, share your screen with me. Let's do some LR questions or whatever. And it pops up a question from like test two, question four. And it's like, hmm, what's this going to say? Never seen this before. And it's just like good stuff. Good. It's false just exactly <laughs> the same shit as all the modern tests. As a matter of fact, I'll go so far as to say there, there's stuff that I used to see on, let's say, you know, prep test 86 or prep test 87 or whatever the newest test is that was out. Mm-hmm. And I would look at that and I would go, oh, yeah, that is a little interesting new wrinkle, like new curveball, right? Yeah, yeah. But now that I'm going back and actually looking at prep tests 1 through 20, mm-hmm. I'm realizing that a lot of that shit that I thought was new on prep test 86 was actually recycled. You know, not exactly, of course. It's not the exact same que- same same question or whatever. But it's basically a clone of a question from prep test 2. yeah. And it's on 87. And I, I honestly used to think it was new because I hadn't gone far enough back into the archives. And, and so I, I really am gaining an appreciation now as I do the, the very old tests. I'm gaining an appreciation for how little the LSAT has actually changed. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just no different. Um, you remember the whole, do you remember the like, mild hysteria when people saw the question that said, which one strengthens the least? No, I don't remember that hysteria. There was yeah. hysteria over that? Well, it's just there every single LSAT, like people get hysterical, right? Yeah. We get we get calls and emails like, Oh my god, you'll never believe how bad this whatever I've, blah blah blah. I've taken five thing. practice tests and I yeah, never totally. saw that. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or I've done ten or fifteen or twenty practice tests and I've never seen so yeah, of course. Well, I'm yeah. I'm here to testify that I had only done, you know, the the most recent, like let's say forty tests mm-hmm. over and over and over and over and over. Mm-hmm. And there's shit in the first 40 tests that just pops up on prep test 87. Yeah. And anyway, there was a question that was like, which one strengthens the least? Hmm. And people were like, what is that? Strengthens the least? That's a new (laughs) question type. And and so on the one hand, I was like, well, I don't know. Maybe you could just treat it like a strength and accept. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, when you look back at the prep tests in the like single digits and in the teens, you will see question stems that say literally which one strengthens the least. So yeah. it's not even new. It's just, <laughs> it's old. So, yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I mean the, the test is like, it just has moved so extremely slowly over time. This mm-hmm. test has not changed. So anyway, the answer to which one is the best desert Island is any of them. But I mean, probably the most recent one, right? Sure. Ah, well, whatever. We'll get to the email. Yeah. Um, this show is going to air on July Monday, July 29th. Uh, that means that we are now just a couple days away from the Thursday, August 1st, last day to register for the September LSAT. Of course, July scores aren't coming out until August 28th. So if you took July, you're not sure how you did. Hate to break it to you, but... Looks like you need to pay the LSAC another 200 bucks and register for the August 1st test. Or, sorry, the September LSAT. Mm-hmm. Um, the deadline for that is August 1st. Um, the September LSAT is Saturday, 
September 21. And yeah, so the final day for that is Thursday, August 1st. You can always email the show, help at thinkingelset.com. Send us your uh, selfies, maybe you studying, maybe you jumping out of an airplane. Um, I don't know, whatever, while you're, uh, while you're at it, if you're so inclined. You uh, remember, you can subscribe and listen all sorts of ways. So if you like the show, please tell a friend to subscribe on iTunes, subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Stitcher, Thinking LSAT, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, please do hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating. It's like we don't advertise, so that's the only way people can uh, ever find us. Should we jump straight into this first email, you think? Yeah. Uh, I do have a quick demon update. Oh, good. I guess this is partly for you and, and for the listeners who have participated in our virtual proctored exams up to this point. Oh, we, yeah. We have been working so hard on the timer issue. So when the proctor starts the timer and it sends out this message throughout the world, wherever you are taking the test in the demon, <laughs> there are all sorts of little things that can lag or create delay between the the proctor's browser and the user's browser, right? Sure. Just host of things. And I wonder if that's actually why the official LSAT has everybody run on their own timer. Did we talk about that before? Yeah, I do know that they're all running on their own timer. I also know that, um, boy, we've gotten a lot of emails about what a shit show the <laughs> digital timing was. Yeah. Uh, from LSAC, in, including an email. <laughs> Is this what we were going to talk about yesterday, where someone who took the July LSAT and who also had taken the timed proctored test on the demon said that we did a much better job than the LSAC did? <laughs> oh, really? No, I didn't see <laughs> that email. The timer. <laughs> yeah. That's good to hear because we definitely had our, our we've our, had our handful of problems. And one thing that we were relying on is that you know most computers these days they sync up to this like universal time that everybody's kind of uh, agreed upon. And so that's true for 97% of laptops. And we were relying on that fact, but 3% or so don't. And when you get enough users taking <laughs> tests in the demon, we find those people that have laptops that are either off because their timer has been set by themselves or for some other reason and just the lags in the internet. And so even just today, when we were talking with the devs, we have this complicated formula that's calculating your probability of lag based on the data that we've received from you so far. And we're getting it down to a second. So it's it's off by a second uh, or can be up to a second off. But we consider that pretty good considering that we were coming from a, as far away as three minutes off for some people, depending on what their clock was set at. But anyways, it's just been an interesting road because the devs have been trying all sorts of things to try to compensate for these little lags that just accumulate as you go through routers and all stuff throughout the internet. Anyways, that's an update for you. Um, the users hopefully won't notice anything and that's how we'll know that we've succeeded. <laughs> yeah, totally. Awesome. Well, thanks as always for your hard work on that. I'm just, uh, yeah, I've got my head down working on new explanations and videos and all that. So the LSAT, or the demon just continues to get better every day. Thanks, everybody who's using it. Thanks for uh, hitting that Ask button. Uh, we'll get back to you as quickly as we can. I know sometimes Max gets overwhelmed with reading comp explanations. I do get bombarded from time to time with LR explanations. Um, but I have some help now on that. Um, 
so we're, we're getting those done. Um, keeping up with it mostly. So yeah, that's fantastic. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You guys are doing mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's good. It'll be, boy, it's gonna be crazy once we get, you know, like caught up with all of the old ones and only have another, what we'll have 150 a year to do. That'll be no problem. I can do that by myself. Yeah. Although we're catching up pretty quickly. I think that we're at, at pace we're if, if I looked at the last data correctly, we're adding like, I don't know, um, 50 explanations a week or something like that between okay. the two of us and Max and yeah. Yeah. So. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. So half a test a week. Yeah. Getting caught up. So yeah, I mean, well, <laughs> there's 80, seven tests to get through <laughs> although we started with half of them with explanations so it's pretty it's pretty good i mean okay there's a you know at least four thousand explanations in there so in a year we might be caught up maybe yeah yeah year and a half oh. yeah all right maybe faster actually i mean i think um now that we've opened up the more recent tests which we had a lot more videos for anyway we're, we're doing pretty well so cool it's exciting yeah Cool. It takes a while because we try to make them make sense. And oh, another thing is uh, people do push back. You know, they they hit the ask button and they go, hey, this, you know, I don't. Can you expand a little more on why B um, isn't the answer or why C is the answer or whatever? Mm-hmm. And um, I'm 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 more than willing to entertain those, you know, and and reread my explanation and propose, you know. I just I kind of like rewrite it or expand it or whatever and send it to Annalisa and she fixes it, uploads it right away. So if you give us that kind of feedback, I mean, it automatically, it's just like immediately the demon starts getting better for you and for everyone else. Yeah. So please, uh, yeah, please keep using that ask button again. When you do use the ask button, uh, the, the, the better question you can ask the better. Now, if there's no explanation at all, you can just say, Hey, can we get an explanation for this? But if there's an explanation, a written explanation and you just say, this doesn't make sense. You're going to get an email back from me saying, what doesn't make sense? Because <laughs> I promise you, Where that explanation, when I wrote it, other? made sense to me. And so you have to tell me specifically what doesn't make sense to you. Um, and then I'll be happy to try to sort you out. Yeah, cool. Okay, awesome. Um, all right, so this, this email, uh, I believe you were the one that put this on the agenda. Maybe you should uh, jump into it. Oh, yeah, okay. So the high guys one? Uh-huh. Yeah, hi guys. I had to I had to email when I saw this insanity since I first learned about it from your show regarding a LSAC, I quote. Hmm, okay. One test taker who is granted so-called stop the clock breaks often given to those with medical conditions who need extra break bathroom breaks took 150 breaks over the course of the exam. Together with the extra time he received on the exam itself, it took to, it took him 16 hours to complete what is typically a 3-hour exam. Here's the link. Best, Ezra. Well, um, yeah, so this this Yahoo article was from 2018. Uh, it's a little old in that sense, but I had missed this, or I didn't realize all the stuff that was in here. And I guess <laughs> the thing that stuck out to me the most was the fact that, little background here, a few years ago, LSAC was sued by various people, various government groups or agencies in California, I think, and the DOJ. I can't remember who, but it doesn't really matter. They were sued for not providing accommodations enough, 
right? People who thought they deserved accommodations didn't feel like they were getting them. And so LSAC was sued and they agreed to basically loosen up their accommodations granting. We've talked a lot about this on the show in the past. Um, And our, at least my anecdotal evidence so far since this change has been that pretty much no one gets denied now. Like we hear all sorts of interesting requests from people for accommodations and they seem to be granted without much review or scrutiny. Um, yeah, which we has had, its own problems. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just anecdotally, we had um, somebody that we know uh, who asked her doctor for a letter, and the doctor was like, "Yeah, I need an extra twenty bucks," <laughs> and wrote and wrote the letter. And, you know, and this was whatever. I, I don't know if the. I, I think she has a legitimate case. I think she has as legitimate a case as as most people. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I and I know her and trust her, so I wouldn't think that she's trying to game the system or whatever. But just the fact that like the doctor is like, oh yeah, sure, let me write you a note, but I do need an extra twenty dollars to write the note, <laughs> and then they wrote wrote the note and then instant accommodations. Yeah. So yeah, and I we still we've we hey we've had the call out on the show for years now to send us an, an email if you get denied accommodations. Yeah, but nobody's getting denied. I mean, we please email us if you get denied. Yeah, <laughs> because we don't know of anybody getting denied. Well, I specifically remember talking to a woman who had all sorts of challenges, was pregnant, needed breaks, had other reasons for getting accommodations. Uh, this was like eight years ago, and she said, "Do you think there's any chance that I could get accommodations?" And I remember saying to her, "Look." No one gets them. So unless you've had them in the past, you're just not going to get them. You can try, but my guess is you should just keep practicing within 35 minutes because you're not going to get them. And now people ask, and I have the exact opposite feeling. It's like um, I haven't heard anyone getting denied, so if you feel like you have a, a reason to get them, get them. They will help you immensely, and law schools will not know that you got them. And this, So anyways, in 2018, LSAC was challenged again. So they, some, some groups or people said, look, you're not living up to the decree decree that you agreed to. And we want more accommodations. And LSAC responded, not surprisingly with their attorneys and in court and so forth. And they brought out all the data. And the thing that I thought was so surprising was that they said that in the 2017-2018 testing cycle, they received at least 5,372 accommodation requests. And and that says yet over a two-year period, so um, we're kind of comparing apples and oranges here, but the council set, sent just 70 such requests to outside council for review and processed just eight appeals. In other words, I mean... Again, what exactly is going on here is not 100% clear, but essentially no one is getting denied or very little scrutiny is going into all these requests. And these numbers just started to confirm what I feel like we've seen anecdotally that really, if you ask, you'll get, you know? Anyways. We'll post this article on the show notes, right? So everybody can read it. Yeah, but, but yeah, these are some some interesting things. So you're down in the part here where the where the law school admission council is is presenting evidence that some people are abusing these accommodations. Yes, 
Mm-hmm. Right. So one test taker with a diagnosis of attention deficit hyperactivity disorder requested 14 different accommodations and was granted all but one. Because, yeah, I mean, the LSAT is just giving everybody everything now. Yeah. We have the test taker who was granted so-called stop-the-clock breaks, often given to those who, with medical conditions who need extra bathroom breaks. But this one test taker took 150 stop-the-clock breaks over the course of the exam. That is wild, Ben. There are only 100 questions. <laughs> so this person took one and a half stop-the-clock breaks per question. Yeah, how do you do that? Do you take a break and then come back and say, wait, wait well, another break? I, mean, I got to go do the math in my head. In the, yeah, in at that bathroom. point, you could you could conceivably remember enough of the question that you could just like read it carefully. Yeah. Read it real carefully because now you're going to be able to say, okay, stop the clock. Now I'll take all the time I need because the clock stopped. Yeah. To process this pieces. I mean, <laughs> what I don't even I'm know that that would really help anybody. It would be distracting for sure. I wonder if, you know, this sounds like the proctor needs to have a little more gumption too. Like, all right, buddy, come on. Like, <laughs> knock it off. Like, I don't care what your stupid paper says, you know? I want to go home. You're obviously, you don't have this problem in normal life. Maybe a little condescension would help. Like, the proctors could just like roll their eyes at you a million times every time. Oh, really? Again? Here we go. Here we go. No, I don't know. Hey, to be clear, if someone has some crazy, you know, they had their large intestine and small intestine removed or whatever, and they actually do have this thing where they need to be going to the bathroom 150 times, that's fine, whatever. Like That's, I, got, I, that's baloney, though. Really? I mean, at that point, that person's they need in the to, hospital. a walking yeah, a catheter or something. Yeah. it's. I mean, it is wild that, like, so then they can't put the check, they can't put the asterisk on your score record. Mm-hmm. But, like, if someone needed 150 breaks over the course of what's normally a three-hour exam, how are you going to practice law and not have everybody know that you need extra time to do stuff? I mean, I don't know. I don't – I just – I don't get it. I I suppose you could set up, like, a desk in your bathroom and work from home all the time. I mean (laughs) – it's just like it just shows it's like it's most likely a sham, right? It it sure doesn't seem it, it sure doesn't seem to me. You know, this is where I think again they get themselves in trouble because if they would have gone the GMAT GRE route of just doing this at the Sylvan Learning Centers, mm-hmm. then I feel like they would have been um I mean, this can't be happening at those places. There's no way that you go into the Sylvan Learning Center and get 16 hours to take your test with 150 stop-the-clock breaks. It's computer-adaptive, so the test is already shorter. Which It's means shorter any- anyway, yeah, true. Yeah. So, but any- but you get my point. It's like they would have then been able to at least like join forces with the GRE uh, yeah. and the GMAT and defend themselves against this shit. Yeah. Because it, it is clear that, I mean, it, come on. there's no fairness in this now. It's just, it's, and I'm not saying some people don't deserve accommodations. Of course they do. I, I don't really understand, you know, these issues. Deserve is kind of a loaded word. I would just say, yeah, yeah, whatever. I don't know whether you should or shouldn't get them, but maybe you should, whatever. Like I actually don't really care, but there seems to be, (laughs) it's, 
it's just as we said before, too heavy-handed of a solution. And they seem to have just given in way well, too much. Why not? I mean, they lost this suit. They had to pay millions of dollars. They did this consent decree. They basically were just, they already were giving away the store once the consent decree passed, which was, that was in 2014, the, the consent decree was announced. Mm-hmm. And 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 then that's where they just really opened the floodgates. But now we've got this judge writing some crazy opinion that they're still not following through fully with the consent decree. It's like, if, if I was them, I'd be like, okay, fuck it. Like, just uh, fine. Like, that's sure. <laughs> the yeah. ADA broke the LSAT, basically. Like, we're just sure. No, yep, absolutely. What accommodations do you want? Yep, sure, no problem. Well, let, I got to read this quote from the judge. So the judge says, she says, I hope this decision causes the council to take seriously its obligation to accommodate testing applicants with disabilities and end its egregious practices of directly defying the clear rules contained both in the consent decree and best practices report. As an entity overseeing the admission of students to law school, I would hope that the council would conduct itself with the highest standards of ethics and integrity. It's just, it's dripping with, you know, condescension and like... And grandstanding, right? Yeah. yeah. Really? I mean, this is where I feel like the council is egregious in denying testing accommodations. I mean, maybe what's happened is maybe a few people who seriously deserved it have been denied, although that's hard to understand given how many people have been accepted or their accommodation request was accepted. But, like, is this person in, talking in a vacuum? Do we have any comparison to the GMAT or GRE, like you're saying? Like, is this is, is LSAC this monster, especially after the decree? It doesn't make sense. Yeah, I, I don't get it at all. I mean, ah, shit, what's our takeaway from this? Same thing we've been saying for years now. If you have a credible case for accommodations, uh, and if you just, you know, if you believe you deserve it, you better apply for it and get it right away. Again, the way you apply for accommodations is you have to sign up for the test. You have to actually register and pay for the test, then apply for accommodations. And they do turn those accommodations requests around very quickly. Uh, If you don't give them enough documentation, they will ask you for more. You can supplement that accommodation, uh, that that documentation, and then they will just process it right away. And you're you're basically going to get it careful what you ask for. I've had students say, oh, I, I asked for double time hoping to get half time, uh, sorry, time and a half. Mm -hmm. I asked for, this is not a good plan. I asked for double time, hoping to get time and a half and they just gave me double time. Yeah. And And so now you have double time, but that sucks because if other people are there getting double time, now you actually have to wait for the, for the whole thing to be over. Yeah. And that's, that's really not good. So 50% extra time is like infinity extra time. Mm-hmm. You know, it's huge. Um, man, if I had 50% extra time, I would have scored perfectly on the LSAT on my first try without any prep at all, like including the logic games. I would, I would, that would have been enough time for me to just figure it all out. Hmm. Yeah. I, I wouldn't, have, I, I don't think I would have missed a single question if I had 50% extra time on my first test. And for most for most students i mean when we ask people to do it as an experiment like hey see what you do see what, see how you score if you give yourself 50% extra time i mean for most students they just automatically score like 7 points higher yeah <laughs> so um 
Yeah, I don't know. You can prepare for the LSAT, or you could just get accommodations. <laughs> <laughs> or both. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, where does this go in the long run? Like, every, just, everyone, apply, everyone applies for accommodations, and then now the, now the field is going to be not... It's going to be not level again because every you know everyone who needs extra time is getting extra time, but also people who don't need extra time are getting extra time. Yeah, people who are willing to play the game are going to get it, and it's going to be a high percentage. I mean, what's it at right now? It's at like it was at six percent last year, so it's probably at like seven percent this year, right? I would so, guess even higher than that. I, yeah, I, I would guess it's pushing ten these days, which is still you know it's like that's not enough that you should super worry about it. Except then again, um. Boy, I'd love to see the stats. Like they, they do publish these stats, right? So whenever the new ones come out, we'll report on it. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see how many of the 99th percentile scores are coming from people who got extra time. Yeah, because it's 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 going to be significant. Yeah. Imagine if you had even just five more minutes at the end of a test. How many more questions could you answer? For a lot of people, that's finishing a game that they just started but didn't have time to answer the questions. Yeah, I mean, it's at least one or two points per section. But on games, it could be five or six points easily. Yeah. yeah. It, it seems to me that like they need to, it does seem like the data should speak for itself, right? Like the, it seems like the, the council should be able to just say, Hey, look guys, the people with accommodations are scoring in the 99th percentile at like twice the rate of the people who aren't getting accommodations. Yeah. I could be making that number up, but I believe we looked at that on a previous show. If anyone feels passionate about it, please yeah, investigate. Maybe, yeah, if I'm bullshitting, like, I'm, hey, I'm, I'm always willing to say I was wrong, and, and I, I would love to know. But anecdotally, from my classes, for sure, like, the people who get extra time score higher than the people who don't. Mm-hmm. They misunderstand their own test, uh, you know, just like those noodle guys and Malcolm Gladwell misunderstand the test. Like, they think that you have to finish in order to score well, which is just not true at all. And so they give too much accommodations. Like they just, they I think they were giving too many accommodations right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Right. They thought that time and a half was like a fair accommodation. That clearly means that they don't understand their own test. Yeah. Cause just a few more minutes is a dramatic advantage and giving 18 more minutes <laughs> per section is crazy. Well, what would be fascinating is you just take a large sample of people you give them the test at 35 minutes. You give another a large sample of people randomly s- selected again, 40 minutes. And you just look at the median. You just look at the bell curves. And you say, yeah. what's happening? Demon subscribers can do this easily. Um, a lot of people don't know that the LSAT demon is set up for 35-minute, 53-minute, and 70-minute sections. Mm. Yep. So whatever you're, if, if you are an accommodated student, um, we got you. You can do full practice test or just one section at a time you can do those in the demon and if you just want to do it as an experiment for yourself you know do a test with 35 minutes and then do a test with 53 and see how you do i mean you'll you'll do better it's hard to see how you could do worse yeah should we move on yeah we should okay uh this next one says hey sarah i've listened to every episode but still I am not sure I understand why the guys say you should redo the same games many times. They seem to say you should redo games versus trying to do a greater variety of games. Mm. 
Could the guys help explain why they think redoing games is better than trying to get greater <laughs> exposure to more games? Okay, well, first of all, I think we probably have to challenge that premise. What do you think, Ben? <laughs> greater exposure to more games. I don't think I've said you should redo games in lieu of a greater variety of games. Yeah, I don't think so either. It sounds like we need to clarify some things. So, one, she says you should redo the same games many times. Um, no, there are diminishing returns to redoing a game that you've done before. But yes. I think that there are a couple situations where it's very obvious, at least to me, that you should redo a game. One, where you completely fuck it up, you have no clue what's going on, and then you walk through an explanation by me or Nathan, and you're like, oh, okay, well, there's a difference between observing someone do something and saying that makes sense, and then just starting with a blank sheet of paper and trying to recreate that yourself. You'll discover gaps in your knowledge. You'll be on the fourth rule, and you'll be like, I know that Nathan said that that means T has to go last, but I'm not seeing why that is right now, even though it made perfect sense to me 10 minutes ago when I was watching his explanation. So doing a game again that you just completely bombed or didn't set up correctly can help you get that into your head. The second situation that I think it's very beneficial to do games again is where you do games one way and you realize that and it worked, and that's great. And then you realize, hey, like maybe I could have done this totally differently. Maybe I could have done it with worlds, or maybe I could have done it without worlds, or maybe I could have done it with different worlds. And it, so many people, I think, do a game, they get all the questions right, it takes them eight minutes, and they sort of walk away like, okay, I got that. Yeah, on some level, but how, how, can you tack it from different angles? And if you right. can... Um, that's going to help you with games that are similar but slightly different. <laughs> or what if it was a game that you could have done in four and a half minutes? I mean, I say that to people sometimes in class. Like, uh, I, especially now that we're doing games that we have never seen before from these older tests, it's like, okay, that took four and a half minutes, and everybody's like, ha, 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 that's funny. Or what? It's like, I, I don't know. I mean, it's not that crazy. I just created three worlds and answered all the questions. It, what if you did it in four and a half minutes? You're so stressed about this, quote, hard game, but yeah. why not give yourself a little extra time for that game? I would want it too. <sighs> yeah, the the rest of this email indicates that this is Carolyn. Thank you, Carolyn, for writing in. It's clear that Carolyn has some pretty big misunderstandings of how the games work. I mean, she says, I assume it's partly because redoing could allow us to get better at making certain inferences that show up on many types of games. If so, could they provide specific examples of these common inferences? Unfortunately, when I repeat games, I just remember how the setup goes and don't seem to get the benefit of making the necessary inferences myself, since I remember what they were from the video. Also, I don't seem to be able to use those inferences when approaching new games. Um, Carolyn, you're... No, it's... <laughs> you need to learn to improvise. You're like, I'm not, I'm not trying to get you to memorize recipes. I'm trying to get you to just be able to, to improvise a solution. And so, yeah, if you just did a game and you watch the video and it makes sense, 
the point of redoing the game is not can you replicate exactly what I just did. I'm not trying to get you to like, hey, that was the recipe, do that exactly. That's not the point. The point is, could you do it a better way? Could you do it a different way? What if you hadn't seen that way right off the bat? What if you had attacked it from some completely bizarrely different angle? And so, yeah, I mean, I, there's, there are, you know, you know those games, Ben, where it's like very clear that like you make one inference and then it leads to another inference and then it leads to another inference and it leads to another inference. Mm -hmm. And you like don't usually make worlds because it's just sort of like, well, they all link together in this very obvious way and I can just make a bunch of inferences. Yeah. Um, that's not the type of game we're talking about redoing that game multiple times. I mean, although put that game away for a week and come back to it and now see if you remember all the inferences, right? Yeah. The games that I'm talking about specifically, and I do this in class all the time now is I just say like, Hey, we made worlds here based on X, but you could have made worlds based on Y. We could have made worlds based on this rule. We could have made worlds based on the numbers. We could have made worlds based on basically anything. And so I'll, you know, I'll give them as a extra credit, like enrichment assignment. Hey, go home and do this game, these four different ways and just see how they work out. Mm -hmm. The point being not to find the one glorious master solution to the game. The point being that you're going to be able to find, you're going to be able to solve the game using any of those approaches. Yeah. And that's how you avoid having a panic attack on the day of the test because I'm just, <laughs> people always tell me, yeah, once I see the setup, I got it. And I'm like, yeah, I know, but the, that's the whole point is that you have to be able to find a setup and it's not the setup, it's a setup. Yeah. It's just, it's not the solution, it's a solution one of potentially many solutions. I think the demon's going to get better and better at teaching that because, you know, now it has your videos and my videos and frequently multiple videos from yeah. each of us. Yeah. And as our games approach evolves, we'll continue recording new videos of just like, Hey, here's how I did it today. Mm hmm. And we're not trying to, like, you're not there with notes about, like, well, here's my setup. Here's my template. I'm a, uh, let me copy this template off the paper onto the whiteboard so I can teach these kids. <laughs> That's not what you're doing. You're up there with no solution, just the game. Yep. Right? Yeah. And you're, you're, like, saying, hey, what if we did it this way? I don't know. Yeah. What if we tried this? Yeah. I frequently will just be like, hey, guys, listen, we could do it this way or we could do it that way. Which way do you want to do it? Yeah. You know? Or we could do it this other third random bizarre way. How about that? And yeah. then just, just try it and see where it goes. But it's not about like making common inferences and then transferring those inferences on to future games. I don't know. Yeah. One thing I would say is that we, I agree that we want people to try different approaches. Maybe... <laughs> For people who seriously shat the bed, right, like, or just are completely lost, your first goal is to mimic us. But if that's easy for you, then now you're ready to start improvising, right? Because some people, I don't know, sometimes their impro improvising is odd as fuck. Like they're right, they're like writing down the rules as text. It's like, no, no. Okay, just do what I'm doing. Yeah, right. Or like an approach that doesn't work at all is like, 
well, let me just start with what if X is third? And then they just like go into like, here's what happens when X is third randomly. And it's yeah. like, yeah, but what if X is first or second or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh? Like, yeah. <laughs> you just made one world where there's also six other worlds that you're completely ignoring. Like, what are you doing? Oh, yeah. Or they have like two. They're like, well, let's create a world if, if S is in and let's create a world where if, if, if Y is in. It's like, what? 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 <laughs> Those are, two. Yeah, Those are what? nice. They, they're convenient. They can't both be in? What yeah. if they're both out? Like, yeah. <laughs> what? Yeah. Cool. Okay. So, Carolyn, we did not, I don't think, ever say that you should redo games instead of doing a greater variety of games. Um, I, I think you need to get as much exposure to as many games as possible so that you can learn that there's just not a magic formula and that you really do need to improvise a solution. The point, when I'm telling people to redo games, it's it's normally because I want you to improvise different solutions for those games. Keep practicing. You'll get there. You're not the only one struggling on games. I mean, games is the most common section for people to really struggle on. So if you keep grinding it out, I mean, I don't know. I, I just I don't think I've ever seen anybody who couldn't improve their games significantly. Um, sometimes it takes a long period of time, though, right? Yeah. Uh, do a little bit of games every day for as long as it takes. Uh, that's what a lawyer would do. Yep. Ready for pearls versus turds? Yeah. Should or we, should wait? Let's jump into a question, huh? Maybe. Yeah, let's do that logical reasoning question. This is, um, yeah, you go ahead, Ben. Cool. Yeah, so this is a prep test 71, December 2013 LSAT. We're in section two, which is logical reasoning, and we're on question five. The passage says essayist. I guess I'll go ahead and read it. Sound good? Yep. Mm-hmm. Cool. It says, if Earth's population continues to grow geometrically... Geometrically, interesting. Oh no, I don't. I'm not even sure what that means. It sounds like exponentially to me, but I believe it means exponentially. Yeah, <laughs> geometrically, geometry. Just like commonsensically, <laughs> how does a population grow? Yeah, I mean, it grows exponentially, yeah. right? Like, yeah. duh. Yeah. Okay. Is this funny that they chose that word? Okay. Then, in a few centuries, there will be ten people for every square meter approximately one person per square foot, thank you, of the Earth's surface. Okay. That would be uncomfortable. That would be uncomfortable. Jeez, Louise. Need some that space. That would be crowded. We'd have to build some high-rises. <laughs> otherwise, we space. would just all be, the entire surface of the Earth would be a, a crowded subway car. Mm. That'd be tough. That would be tough. Well, this is yeah. in a few centuries. Okay. Yeah, we don't have to worry about it. Yeah, thank God. Okay. Some people have claimed that this will probably not be a problem. All right. Um, opinion of others. Since humans will have learned by then how to colonize other planets. Hmm, fair point. This would, however, be a temporary, temporary solution at best. Mm, that sounds like the conclusion. This person is responding to those people. Yeah, and I also, like, that's where my bullshit detector goes up, right? It's like, wait, what? Why is colonizing other planets a temporary solution? Sounds pretty good. <laughs> I thought the universe was, like, infinite, you know, or virtually infinite. Billions of galaxies, billions of planets in galaxies. Like, really? It seems like we could just keep going outward forever. So why is this a temporary solution? Yeah. That's a... If I'm asking why, then that's always a, it's not conclusive, but it's a, uh, it's a, it's a pretty good idea that that's the conclusion, right? Pretty good. 
Yeah. Because it, also it's a prediction about the future, mm-hmm. which is a, another kind of a common conclusion indicator. Like, how do you know this? What? What do you mean it's a temporary solution? All right. Yeah, I would just add a, one more thing here, too. And yeah. that it says, this would, however, be a temporary solution at best, colon. Colon, yeah. And so colons often uh, walk right into rationale or reasons, which are premises. So it's like, mm-hmm. oh, now I'm going to explain why I just told you this. Yeah, in this context, it basically means because. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So colon, if the population continue, continues to double every 30 years, and if in the year... 2,500, half of the Earth's population emigrated to Mars, then by the year 2,530, Earth would be just as crowded as it had been before the emigration. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Boo. (laughs) Why not continue emigrating? Right, exactly. It's like, well, why don't we do it again? And then it's not a temporary solution anymore. Or go to Saturn. It's huge. Um, although, wait, Saturn is a gas planet, right? That probably wouldn't be good. But maybe yeah, by then we'd know how to survive. In, or- in orbit, yeah. yeah. Cool. Go to Titan and live underneath the icy frozen surface. Mm. Do you hear about this new JPL project, the new thing they're going to do? No. What's going on? Dude, it's so badass. Please, everyone, if you have a science brain... Just stop listening to the show right now and go work in science. Yes, because it's please. just so impressive the things that these people do. At <laughs> I was kicking around briefly, Ben, the idea of like you know, Inland Empire. You know, Ben, like uh, out by San Bernardino or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, out there in the valley, um, that valley. Uh, I was like, oh, boy, there's a lot of people out there. Like maybe I could start offering classes out there. And uh, huh, yeah, think about that. Fox LSAT. Inland Empire. Then I was thinking, all right, what's the best school that's out that way? Oh, yeah. Oh, Caltech. Caltech's, well, it's Caltech's Pasadena, but it's still, it's like that direction anyway, you know? Mm-hmm. Caltech's out there. That's a good, that's a good school. I could probably attract some good, uh, and then I was like, mm, no, because <laughs> those people that go to Caltech have much better things to work on <laughs> than the LSAT. I was like, no, never mind, because that's where JPL is. Yeah. Jet Propulsion Laboratories. And this Jet project, Propulsion Laboratory, that's government-owned, right? No, I don't think so. But they, oh, they are a... No, but they Quasi? are a... Yeah, because they NASA puts out for competitive bid um, like the, you know, the projects that they're going to fund. Mm, mm-hmm. And JPL bids on like 90% of them and gets like 75% of them. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. is my understanding. I saw this presentation at Nerd Night not too long ago where they were going off about all the different possible things that they were going to do for NASA. But check it out. Titan has a frozen surface. There's LSAT questions about this, by the way. So this is a moon but, for Jupiter? Yes, it's a moon of Jupiter. And okay. it's got cracked. It's got crack, a cracked surface, and it, it, it indicates that there's a potential, that there's a liquid core. Sure. They're flying to the moon of Titan, going in orbit around Titan. They're sending a lander down to the surface of the moon. The lander is going to drill through like a kilometer of solid ice to get down to the liquid. Then they're going to drop a submersible (laughs) down the hole. Okay, yeah. (laughs) Down into the liquid. And then the submersible is going to like auto drive itself all around inside Titan's liquid core 
sending radio signals back to the orbiter, which is going to send radio signals like back to Earth. Wow, dude. If there's any life down <laughs> there, they're like, oh, aliens are here. I know. A giant shark <laughs> is going to eat the submersible <laughs> immediately. Who knows? Maybe gonna... there are a bunch of mini like species, and they, they're going to gather together with their armies. <laughs> that would be cool. <laughs> would be cool. Um, anyway, that shit's badass, and uh, I have great respect for scientists, and um, I don't know why I brought that up. Yeah. And we're just jealous. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm equally jealous. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll work on our lag time issues with the LSAT demon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> work on real important stuff. <laughs> cool. So bottom line, this guy thinks that the solution is temporary at best, and he gives us his reasons because of basically this like doubling issue. The question says... Which one following most accurately expresses the conclusion drawn in the essayist argument? We've identified that literally centuries ago. Um, Well, not literally, but this would be a temporary solution at best. So I'm just going to go through the answers and I'm going to look for something that restates that sentence right there. Yeah, and because we're like tuned into it, we had a 99% prediction that that was the conclusion when we read it, right? Yeah. Then we got to the colon, and the colon introduced all this extra support for, you know, it's not perfect support by any means. We argued with it. But the thing, everything after the colon is evidence for the thing that's right before the colon. And so, I mean, the thing that's right before the colon is the conclusion. So that's just main conclusion questions. You definitely have to predict the answer. I don't give a shit what the wrong... I mean, I can tell you in advance what the wrong answers are going to say. They're going to be right? premises from this argument, opinion of others from this argument, random stuff. Possible slight misstate, misstatements of the argument, but it's mostly going to just be like rehashing all the different pieces and parts of the argument. And only one answer is going to say um, immigration from Earth would be a temporary solution to the population problem. Yeah. Oh, I want to talk about what you just did right there. The conclusion says this would, however, be a temporary solution at best. Mm. The word this is a pronoun. It's referring back to something. So you have to know what it's referring back to. If you're tuned in, it's quite obvious. Um, It's the colonization that they talked about. But um, if it's not obvious to you before you go into the answer choices, you better go back and say, well, I know that this sentence is the conclusion and this sentence has the word this in it. What is that referring to? Um, what is that word this referring to? And then you say, oh, it's referring to the colonization. So the colonization would be a temporary solution at best. If you're having problem de- problem identifying that, though, it probably means you weren't tuned in while you were reading it. That said, something to be aware of. Yeah. Um, okay, so let's look at these answers. A... Mm. Okay. Um, I'm already apprehensive about this answer because it starts with the word if, and the conclusion itself was not conditional, but if Earth's population continues to grow geometrically, then in a few centuries, the population density of Earth's surface will be 10 people per square meter. They're hoping that you thought that the first sentence was the main conclusion. That was just a fact that was given to us, so either a premise or background information. Predicted it. I mean, I guaranteed that that was going to be like one of the wrong answers, right? For all, sure. All they're going to do is just probably every single sentence is going to be in these wrong answer choices. They do this every time. Yeah. Yeah. B. So A's out. B. Due to the continuing geometric growth of Earth's population, the problem of overpopulation of Earth will probably persist. Nope. 
This is an interesting answer because saying that the temper it, it will be a temporary solution at best makes the colonization right. This answer choice does not talk about colonization, but because it's a temporary solution at best, you might jump to the conclusion that the overpopulation or something like that will persist. But that's you going beyond what was said in the conclusion. Well, specifically because the entire thing was predicated on if Earth's population continues to grow geometrically. Excellent. We don't know that Earth's population is going to continue to grow geometrically. Um, you know, I mean, in real life, we know that there are countries like Japan that have actually started having a declining population rate because people are just not having kids yeah. uh, anymore. So there's other ways. I mean, what if we start starving to death because of global warming? Uh, what if we get in? What if we nuke ourselves? Like Earth's population does not have to continue to grow geometrically. Yeah. But the SAS is only talking about if it does, then we have to solve the population problem in some other way. Yeah. Um, uh, but yeah, because of that, just the really the first word of the SAS argument is what makes B wrong because of that if. Yep. Okay. Cool. So C. If Earth's population continues to double every 30 years, and if at some point half of the population of Earth immigrated elsewhere, then after 30 years, Earth would be just as crowded as it had been before the immigration. Mm. Okay, that's the premise that we identified after the, the colon, or it's at least a somewhat half-assed attempt to restate that premise, so definitely wrong on so many levels. Yep. Uh, D, the population of Earth's surface will probably continue to grow geometrically even if temporary solutions to population growth, such as colonizing other planets, are adopted. Um... <laughs> That's just straight wrong. I mean, again, <laughs> the, the speaker never took a position on whether Earth's population is going to continue to grow geometrically. Yep. It was, if it does, here's what, here's what we're going to have to think about. Uh, that's not the same thing as saying that Earth's population is going to continue to grow geometrically. So that's just out. Yeah. E, learning how to colonize other planets would, at best, be a temporary solution to the overcrowding of Earth. That is exactly what that sentence is saying. We took the word this and we replaced it with colonizing, and that's what answer choice E does. It's perfect. So this is correct. Yep. Awesome. You know, the number one complaint I think that we get about these explanations is people say, well, it took you 10 minutes to explain it. I don't have 10 minutes to answer this question. But, <laughs> you know, first of all, we're just like commenting on it, obviously. But also, as we're reading it, we're stopping and thinking about things. Like when it said some people have claimed that this will probably not be a problem, it's like I'm reading that and I'm saying, oh, some people have claimed that? You're telling me what other people think? I'm already primed to hear whatever the conclusion is of the author because I know that the author just gave me the opinion of someone else, and so the author's probably going to reject that. They don't have to, but I'm tuned into that and ready for whatever's going to happen next. That When we're not talking, that stuff happens quickly, but it still happens because we do take the time to do that, and then when you're done with the passage, you own it, and you know exactly what you're looking for. If you don't do that, then, yeah, you might finish the passage, what, 15 seconds before we do, 20 seconds before we do, but also have no, like, serious understanding of what was going on, except topic, right? Oh, it's about Earth's population. It's like, sweet. What do you think about what was said? What was, was this an argument? Was there a conclusion? And they just, people don't know. They don't have any clue. 
Yeah, I mean, well, it's also like the desert island thing again. So it's sort of like, well, if you really understood this question fully, mm-hmm. you might never miss another main conclusion question in your life. Yep. And you don't have to miss these main conclusion questions, really. I should add one thing, actually. <laughs> now I want to go a little longer on the explanation, actually. Okay. Just to point out, like, if you had narrowed it down to C and E, I think that would be pretty common that people would narrow it down to C and E. Yeah. Just notice that C supports E. Mm-mm. E yep. doesn't support C. So if you, it, you know, step one, predict the answer. But if you do end up in that situation where you've narrowed it down to two, you know that both of them were in the argument. Mm, you know that neither key. of them are misstating the argument. Mm-hmm then think about which one supports the other one. One of them can be used as evidence for the other. Yeah. So the one that can be used as evidence is not the conclusion. The one that is just supported by the other answer choice. That's the conclusion of the argument. But I, what you said is very important, right? They both have to have been in the argument and not misstating the argument. If one answer choice supports another, but that thing was never in the argument, then that's wrong. Yes, it's a must be true first. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Back to the pearls versus turds. Is this pearl versus turd about the worlds? It is about the worlds, isn't it? Let's do it. Yeah, it says, uh, "Hey guys, I just got back to DC after taking the July LSAT at Rutgers. I slept for six hours in my car after the test." Oh. How far away is Rutgers, Ben? I have no idea. Is that like in New York? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) All right. I'm going to learn something right now. Where is Rutgers? New Jersey. New Brunswick. Hmm. Okay. What the hell is that? That's like five hours. Four hours, maybe? Four or five? Yeah. I'm guessing. Dude, that's rough. Go to D.C. Or from D.C. to take it at Rutgers. Why? Signed up late, maybe? Hmm. Slept for six hours. By the way, Fred, you could have maybe called the LSAC and gotten some special dispensation to change your test center. I'm hearing a lot of these stories these days where people call the LSAC and just get special treatment. Mm-hmm. So this is no, you, you might as well call them and ask them. You paid them $200 to take this stupid test, and you're probably going to pay them $200 a couple more times. So why not call and ask them for special Hey, any last-minute openings in the D.C. <laughs> testing center so I don't have to go six hours away to Rutgers or five, four hours away, whatever? Yeah. Anyway, uh, the test did not go very well for me, but it's part of the July-September LSAT plan. Of the things that went wrong during the test, I can clearly identify two. The first was that I spent far too long on one of the logic games because I created too many worlds, worlds that I didn't even need Regarding the questions, hmm. I'm really mad at myself for doing that because on Saturday, as I drove from DC to Rutgers, I listened to the episode that went through the infamous recycling center logic game. And at one point you mentioned that we have to figure out when we've made enough worlds and when continuing just leads down a rabbit hole. The second terrible thing is that during an LR section, the proctor stopped us two and a half to three minutes early. I knew I took too long on two questions, but I had five left when time was up, so I had to do randoms after the buzzer. Also, after the test, the proctor read the cancellation policy, (laughs) but from an outdated script saying that we had six days from the test date to cancel. (laughs) 
Acrimony filled, Acrimony the, room. filled the room. People people were yelling to the proctor that we can cancel within five days of seeing the scores. So I yelled, that's the only reason we're all here. <laughs> <laughs> Poor proctor. Oh, man. Can you imagine? Yeah, probably probably first day too, right? Like they have a You're like some old lady that works on campus that like some like or some I don't know, just some you're making like 20 bucks an hour for 4 hours and like you don't know anything and the LSAC doesn't give you the right instructions. They give you a bunch of shitty technology that breaks down and then people are fucking pissed at you. Ugh. Anyway, I'm taking the rest of the week off until I start studying again. And I'll be sure to use the LSAT demon because I feel victimized by Khan Academy. <laughs> victimized. <laughs> well, listen, you it's got what free. you paid for there. <laughs> yeah, I don't think you could really say that they're villainous. Um, they're trying. Sorry for the lengthy message, but I found someone else's advice on Reddit that seems eerily similar to Gladwell's method of eliminating two answer choices. It says, those tricky, what would the author be most likely to agree with questions can be conquered by remembering that it is very difficult to support extreme answers. Something is the worst or best. That will almost always be the wrong answer. Any thoughts? Um, can I just tackle that, Ben? Yeah, go for it. When they say, what would the author be most likely to agree with? That's basically just a must be true question. Yeah. They're not looking for you to speculate on what the author thinks. Those questions always say the passage provides information to, you know, suggest or to support that yeah. the author would be most likely to agree with which one. So it's basically, it's always just from the passage. Sure. Since it's a must be true question, top down. Yep. Yes. It is totally true that extreme answer choices are harder to support. Exactly. So, but this, this doesn't just go for those tricky, what would the author be most likely to agree <laughs> with questions? Those aren't, aren't fucking tricky. <laughs> those are easy. There must be true questions. Yeah. So, you you need to just if you just treat all the questions i mean until it clearly tells you that it's a strengthen question or a weaken question just treat all the reading comprehension questions as if there must be truths the passage is a collection of all the right answers and you're just going to pick an answer that has full justification from the passage to support what you're saying there about 90 to 95% of reading comp questions are some form of top down question it's very rare for you to see a strengthen question maybe one strengthen or or one weakened question per section so yeah and the rest of them are just must be true main conclusion ben you call them you have reasoning or it's like structure yeah or structure or role but all of those are just top down i mean you you really can't go too wrong by just treating all of those as top down must be true or supported, whatever you want to call it. Sure. But it's just, they're evidence-based. Like, this is the answer because that's what it says in the passage. So extreme answers tend to be wrong. Could they be correct? 100% they could be if the evidence in the passage backs it up. But that's one thing you want to ask yourself when you're choosing an answer that says best or always or usually or primarily. Then you're like, um, okay, is that supported? No, you know, but that's wrong. But don't don't uh, get Gladwellian with it here, and because I, I the Gladwell thing was like get rid of the two worst answers. So what what they're going to do? Go through all the questions first and just get rid of all the answers that have extreme no, la- extreme awful. language. No, no, no. It's just something you're <laughs> hypersensitive to. That's all. Yeah, it's just 
when you're reading the answer choices, you should be expecting them to be wrong because 80% of the time, the answer choice you're reading is wrong. That's a fact. So since you're expecting it to be wrong, yeah, when you see always or never or whatever, you should think about it. Well, does the passage really support always? No, it doesn't. Okay, goodbye. Yep. But it's not just like, oh, this is strong language, so it's wrong. It's yeah. this is strong language. Does the passage support that? If it does, then that's probably the answer. If it doesn't, then it's wrong. Mm-hmm. All right. So I would say this is, I would say this is a pearl on some level. I mean, it's true for these question types. Watch out for these strong language. I mean, except for the part where it said these tricky, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, the tricky part, like suggesting that they are tricky. It's a tip for that one type of question. No, it's, it's like a broad truth about reading comp. Yeah. I'm happy to give it a pearl after we amended it. (laughs) (laughs) We need some more pearls. (laughs) Yeah, we just desperately, the score is now three pearls, 16 turds, 10 ties. Okay. Okay. Um, anything else we want to say about I'm, I'm curious how Fred knows that the proctor stopped the timer two and a half to three minutes early. I guess he's just checking off of his own watch. I I guess that's Um, strange that there wasn't more of an uproar for that too. Usually he had to be doing it in pencil and paper because it says he was doing his randoms after the buzzer. I'm confused, too, because it says, I knew I took too long on two questions, but I had five minutes left when the time was up. Wait, I thought you had two and a half to three minutes up. I'm confused. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did that... I raised an eyebrow on, I created too many worlds, worlds that I didn't even need regarding the questions. Uh, I mean... But it, when you're doing worlds, the idea is to f- the the idea is to bake as many rules into a solution as you can, so that you have templates that encompass all possibilities. Yeah. So that doesn't mean that the templates will be complete. They may. You well, may- and it also doesn't mean that every question is going to refer to at least one of the templates. Yeah, you don't know, right? Yeah, we don't know. But the idea is to just get it out there on paper, like. The, the most basic thing is always just, hey, two worlds, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it told me that X can go third or Y can go third. Okay, I'm going to make a world where X goes third and a world where Y goes third. Now, every one of the questions might end up being in the Y third world. But that doesn't mean you didn't need the X third world. Yeah. Right? Probably what happened, my guess is, giving Fred a little bit of credit, my guess is that what happened was he just he just like split the worlds too many times, right? He subsequently yeah. split and split and split and got too granular instead of just keeping those solutions in templates. Yeah. Like maybe you weren't able to get rid of all the rules, but if you could get rid of two or four of them, now you only have two two rules to worry about as you go through your worlds. Or maybe yeah. you got rid of three or four of them and he was trying to get rid of all of them. It's hard to talk about logic games. It's hard to talk about worlds, but boy, get get the LSAT demon and just do games and watch all of our videos. You're going to see us doing worlds just over and over and over in a million different contexts. And I just got to believe that you're going to get the hang of it. Yeah. Moving on? Yep. Oh, here's the desert island question. All right, cool. Hi, Ben and Nathan. In episode 191, Desert Island LSAT, 
May 8th, 2019, for all those of you who are curious, you discussed how fully understanding a single LSAT could allow you to effectively, though not necessarily efficiently, <laughs> okay, study for <laughs> yeah, the To LSAT. be clear, we do not recommend this. <laughs> study for the LSAT since each LSAT contains the vast majority of core LSAT concepts. Mostly out of curiosity, which release test do you think would be the best, quote, desert island LSAT? For reference, see below the main body of this of this email, Nathan's description of Desert Island hypothetical from episode 191. <laughs> Very lawyerly. Whoa. <laughs> Footnote. <laughs> Here's my citation for Nathan's claiming Whoa, we got the Desert Island LSAT too. concept. This is what Nathan yeah. says. Yours. Your? Oh, you're stuck. I thought you... Uh, you say suck so much that I thought that you were going <laughs> to... <laughs> you, you suck. suck and you're on an island. <laughs> So you're stuck on an island, and all you have with you for entertainment is one LSAT. For entertainment. You might have other things. The only thing you have for entertainment is an LSAT. Um, (laughs) And you know that you're going to be rescued in a year, and you know that you're going to have to take the LSAT on the day you get back. Bizarre. The day. You're all sunburned and emaciated and everything. Your teeth are all falling out. Welcome back, buddy. We don't believe your story, but sit down and take this test. Yeah, this is a strange hypothetical. I, you know, I wouldn't remember this had she not quoted this. So this is great. So you study the shit out of that one LSAT. Oh, apparently, there's like some consequence to not doing well, too, right? Like you could come back and just get a 120. Why not? And you really, really understand it. You like you actually understand. Like you could teach one of those questions, each one of those questions, and you get to the point where each one of them makes perfect sense. Like for a year, you just studied this one test. I gotta stop saying like so much. Ugh. Like, anyway. like, cool. I'm gonna start saying like. Thanks so much for the <laughs> entertaining and educational podcasts. Like, they have been very helpful during my preparation for the July LSAT. Oh wait, hold on. This is like a little praise. Thank you. Well, I'll just finish this out. Among yep. many great tips, reading the reading comp passages more slowly and thoughtfully helped me to significantly reduce my downside variance. I was sometimes minus five on RC, but now consistently get minus two or better exclamation point best. Nice. Julian. Yeah, that's great to hear. So I think we kind of answered this at the beginning of the show. Just pick a a recent test. Um, the, The only reason I would say that is that the recent test is gonna have comparative reading, so at least you can get exposure to that. And a recent test is gonna have substitution questions. You can get exposure to that. Those things are not from the past, but the logic is all the same. So it doesn't really matter. Your score would be amazing if you could explain even test one fully to someone else. Um, You might be surprised to encounter a substitution question, but the ability to solve that question would be within your grasp. And even if it wasn't, we're talking about one question. It's only question. one question. Yeah. So, like, and you for can still score a 180. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> don't don't stress yeah, about it, it. All right. If you had to pick, Ben, oh, gosh. of the three, two, wait, 191 mm-hmm. tests that we have? Yep. Hold on. I'm Which test? I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this based on a little bit of soul searching here. One second. Forgive me. Data. Hold on, hold on. Score conversion. Okay. So I would pick a recent test and I would pick t- 
test. Let's see here. Going down to here. Hmm. Ooh. Well, I'm tempted to pick test 71 or 86. Actually, I think I'm going to go with 71. I'd pick 71. Wait, did I just say we have 190-something tests? No, we don't have that many tests. I was looking at the episode numbers of the podcast. Oh, no. Yeah. I would no. pick 71. Uh, the curve. There you have it. The, yeah. The, the scaled score on that is rather generous, which suggests that it was challenging for people. It's out of 101 questions as opposed to 99 in test 86. So you have two more questions to study. And given that the scaling was a little more generous, maybe there's more to learn from that test. Uh, that's all I can say. <laughs> to be clear, do not do this. If you have <laughs> yeah, two everybody. tests in your hand, study those two tests, not one of them. <laughs> We're going to get like do emails. Not go, there's going to be like a run on Prep Test 71 now on Amazon. Everybody's going to go buy Prep Test 71. Wait, ben is that the test said. that we're going over right now too? It oh, is. Oh, because it's freely available? Yeah. Ooh. Nice. All right. So anyways. Um, yeah. I would say prep test 87 because it's the most recent one. I mean, that's my gut to it. But Ben did the data, <laughs> of course. He's data-driven, and he said that that one might be – 71 might be a little bit harder. So fine. Do 71. That's fine. It doesn't. The truth is, it doesn't matter. Yep. You know? Um, but thanks, uh, Julian, for writing in. Yeah, thank you. Cool. We uh, going to wrap it up there? Yeah, let's do it. 1,400-some members in the Thinking LSAT podcast group on Facebook. While you're there, give Thinking LSAT Facebook page a like. Uh, just search for at Thinking LSAT. We're at Thinking LSAT everywhere, so Instagram, um, Twitter. I'm also on Twitter, at NFox. Ben's on Twitter, at Olson Benjamin. Uh, you can go to strategyprep.com to learn about all of Ben's uh, live class options in D.C., you can go to foxlsat.com if you're looking for one of my live classes, which are in uh, L.A., Koreatown, and uh, downtown San Francisco. We also do one-on-one -on -one tutoring online, um, all sorts of online options. We're perilously close to launching our joint online class, which is going to be within the LSAT demon. I know we've been talking about a joint, L a joint online class for a long time, but we wanted to make sure we got it right. And I do think we're getting it right. You happy with the progress, yeah, obviously, that awesome Sarah has made? Yeah. Yeah. And integrating it's, it's it with really good. Demon is what's really held us back, but also what I think is going to make it more valuable. We're going to just start rolling that out, aren't we, to uh, El uh, to Demon premium subscribers? That's correct. Yep. Um, it'll be like kind of beta for a while, like always, and then it'll just get better and better over time. So I think you can look for that in the next, uh, I don't know, you want to give ourselves a deadline for that, Ben? Yeah, I'd say, I'd say two weeks for sure. Okay. Two weeks from the time you hear this, which gives us, uh, two and a half weeks to, to get it done. But I mean, there's already useful stuff in there and if we just launch it, I mean, Hey, you're not paying anything extra for it, right? You're already a demon premium subscriber. You, you're just going to get it for free. And, uh, We'll talk about that more um, going forward. Awesome. That was show number 203. Thanks, all y'all, for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. <laughs>